Let us stand and praise God with hymn number 144, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross.
In honor of what Christ has done for us on the cross, let us remain standing as we read the scripture from Luke 23, 32 through 34. Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. This is the word of God for you and for me. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh God, we rejoice that you have brought us to the beginning and brightness of another Lord's Day. We come here because we need you. We pray that the presence of the living Christ may permeate this place and these lives. May we be made strong with all the strength that comes from your glorious power. Prepare us to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to you, O God. You have enabled us to to share with the saints in light, and you have rescued us from the power of darkness. You have transferred us into the kingdom of your beloved Son. In him, we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. O God, we pray that you would make these great truths real to each person here today. To the glory and to the praise of your holy name we pray. Amen. Of his word, 
they wondered what he meant about a father's plan. They heard, but could they really understand? They could not, they could not. plan but could they really understand they could not so finally upon a rugged cross the man who would not suffer loss and when at last they took what willingly he gave he died but could they keep him in the seated for our offertory.
Good morning. Uh, when I was a child, the season that I associated the most with gifts was Christmas, and I'm sure that was probably true of you too. Uh, when I grew up and my understanding grew, uh, I realized that the greatest gift that we received was during the season of Easter. So it was that Easter experience that gave us God's greatest gift. And as we observe the Lenten season, I think it gives us time to pause and reflect on how great that gift was and how precious it was that Christ went to the cross and died for our sins. So as we come to do what I think is one of the most important parts of our worship service, which is our chance to bring our gifts to God, and remember, it does not matter the size of the gift. God even takes the widow's might and makes a miracle with it. So as we bring our gifts to God this morning, let us think about how precious the gift was that he gave us during this season. Let us pray. Lord, as the song says, you truly are an awesome God. And we realize this as we think about what a huge gift you have given us through Jesus Christ, your son. You have given us love. You have given us freedom from death. You have given us everlasting life. You give us so much every day. We could never give back to you the full measure of what you give to us. But we pray that you will take these tithes and offerings and you will bless them. You will bless this church and the ministries that it provides and that you will use this to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
We certainly have a lot of talent in this church, don't we? And I'm grateful for those who share it so willingly and lovingly. It's an old story, and it would be hilarious if it weren't so sad. A young soldier fighting in Italy during World War II managed to jump into a foxhole just ahead of a spray of bullets, and he immediately tried to deepen the hole for more protection. But as he frantically scraped at the dirt with his hands, he unearthed a silver crucifix, obviously left there by the previous occupant of the foxhole. And then a moment later, leaping, a leaping figure landed right beside him as shells screamed overhead, and the soldier turned to see his new companion was an army chaplain. And so holding up this crucifix, the soldier cried, boy, am I glad to see you. How do you work this thing? Well, I suspect that that is a pertinent question for many people today when it comes to the cross. How do you work this thing? You know, we see crosses hung around people's necks adorning the walls of the homes of devout Christians and even worn as tattoos. But what does it all mean? Writer Flannery O'Connor says that when she was a young child, her family would occasionally visit a, a convent near where they lived, and one of the sisters would come out to hug her, and each time the, the sister held Flannery close to her body, the cross that hung around the, the nun's chest would press against Flannery's face and, and leave its imprint there. And so that's one way the cross made an impression. But sometimes we have to wonder if the cross has made any real impression at all. Did you know that one of the few weekdays that there's no trading on the New York Stock Exchange is on Good Friday? They don't trade anything on Good Friday. And if you go to the visitor center and ask them why, they will tell you that since, since 1864, the stock exchange has closed its doors on Good Friday for, quote, religious reasons. But let me ask you something. Do you think it's really out of respect for the cross that they close for trading on Good Friday? I wonder that, especially since earlier this year, a federal judge implied that he might go easy on two stockbrokers who were convicted of securities fraud. And here is his reasoning. He said that he might go easy on them because they worked within a culture of corruption. And he was talking about Wall Street. He was talking about the stock exchange. Folks, can you really have a culture of corruption and still respect the cross? Those two things seem to be, seem to be a bit incongruous for me. But on the other hand, some churches are being constructed these days with no cross in sight, intentionally. Which makes me wonder, can you, can you preach Christ in all of Christ's fullness and, and not pay homage to the cross on which he died? It's troubling. Some people wear crosses who have 
no idea who Jesus is or what he stood for or what he did for, for us. And you have others who, who build churches in his name but refuse to, to deal with, with what he did on Calvary. So what should we say about the cross of Jesus Christ? Well, you know the basic story. You know the basic story. Jesus, a man of, of peace and love, uh, who healed the sick and, and uh, raised the dead, made many enemies in his life. He was a threat to the religious authorities as well as to the civil authorities. And, and if you think about it, he, he still is today. There were a lot of people with a lot of clout who would not rest until Jesus was crucified. And so he went to a garden <clears throat> to pray, and, and according to one account, his agony was so great that as he prayed, his sweat felt or fell like great drops of blood. Let this cup pass from me, he prayed to God. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, he prayed. And then one of his disciples, a man named Judas, betrayed him with a kiss. And he was taken before the authorities to be tortured and, and interrogated. And meanwhile, in an act of cowardice, his most trusted disciple, Simon Peter, denied that he even knew him three times. Now, according to Jewish law, all legal proceedings in, in which a man's life was at stake were to take place during the daytime. That way there could be no secrecy in the trial. It was a way to protect a defendant from an unfair trial. But the Roman and the Jewish officials broke that law when they conducted Jesus' trial at night because they didn't care about justice. They didn't care about a, a fair trial. They just wanted to get rid of him. And even though they, they couldn't find anything wrong in him, they made him carry a cross up that hill called the skull where they drove nails into his hands and into his feet and he was suspended on that cross and left to die. You know the basic story. But here's the most important question of all. What does it all mean? What does it all mean, this story of Christ on the cross? Well, first of all, I believe that this means that you and I are loved with an amazing love. Paul wrote that God demonstrates God's love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. A sacrifice that we might live. I heard about a, a new Marine recruit who went for training at Paris Island, but he was a little bit different from the other recruits. Which, and so the others constantly picked on him. They were always making fun of him and picking on him and, and playing pranks on him. And, and then one day someone came up with the idea of throwing a, a disarmed hand grenade out onto the middle of the floor of the barracks, pretending that it was about to explode. They thought that this young man would be petrified with fear and they could have a good laugh at his expense. 
And so at the appointed time, they, they tossed the hand grenade out onto the floor and everybody began shouting, get out, get out, it's a live grenade, it's about to explode. But instead of running away, this odd young fellow fell on top of the grenade and yelled to, his other, to the others there, get out, you'll be killed if you don't, run for your lives. Well, when he did that, the, the barracks fell silent. Shame was in the air. The other recruits realized that this young man thought that this grenade was live, but, but instead of running away, he had been willing to give his life in order to save the others. And in the same way, Jesus Christ was willing to throw his body on the live grenade for us. It may seem a bit trivial, but... Um, Richard Fairchild gives a, a similar analogy um, from one of the Superman movies. It seems that the evil Lex Luthor launches a missile which explodes near the, one of the California fault lines and the resulting earthquakes create turmoil over a wide expanse of territory. But as Superman flies over the area making a visual inspection of the, the damage, he, he sees an accident that is about to happen. The earthquake has caused a, a five-foot section of a railroad trestle to be twisted out of shape and, and a packed passenger train is ro roaring towards uh, this, this, um, this destroyed section of the track. There's no time for the train to stop, even if the conductor saw the, the ruined track. And, but Superman has just enough time to fly down and to stretch his body out to form the missing section of the rail. And thus, he saves the lives of several hundred passengers on that train. Fairchild writes that Jesus performed a similar act of salvation for us as he too stretched out his body to save us. But he stretched it out on the cross. That's an interesting analogy. It's not perfect though. It breaks down right here. For you see, everybody knows that Superman is invincible. <laughs> Nothing can hurt him. He's a man of steel. But Jesus, on the other hand, was made of flesh and blood, just like you and me. Yes, he was of one nature with God, but when he was born into this world, we are told in the scriptures that he emptied himself of all of that, and he became just like you and me. He became vulnerable. He became vulnerable to abuse and, and vulnerable to pain and vulnerable even to, to death. And he did it willingly for us. This is important and, and we need to understand this. The, the cross is not an accident of history. Jesus didn't die simply because he was at the wrong place in the wrong time. He didn't die simply because the authorities hated him. He died to show us how much God loves us. God demonstrates God's love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that was a hard thing for him to do. Retired seminary professor 
Fred Craddock has an unusual way of speaking of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. He says, you, you don't just turn loose of life. Life is a very tenacious thing and, and will not give itself up easily. He tells about chopping cotton on the, on the family farm in Tennessee. And, and while he was chopping cotton there, he, he ran across a snake in the cotton field. And young Fred killed it with a hoe, and, but it, it, it kept on wiggling. And so his father said, son, a snake won't die until sundown. And Fred didn't know that. And so his father said, you hang it on the fence. And so Fred picked up the snake with the hoe and hung it over a fence. And, and every once in a while, he'd look over at the fence. And, and sure enough, he would see that tail still moving all the way until sundown. He learned for the first time in his life that it's hard to give up on life, to, to just turn it loose. But that's exactly what Jesus did, he says. He turned his life loose. It was not a decision that was determined by his friends. They opposed it. And they tried to talk him out of it. It was not a decision determined by his enemies. Because he looked at them and he said, You're not taking my life. I'm giving it up. In John 10, Jesus asserted that no one could take his life from him. Instead, he chose to lay it down. And in this suffering and in this death, Jesus identified with you and, we, and with me. Some of you may remember a, a popular religious song back in the 1950s that, that went like this. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but, but, but he died alone for you and me. That heartfelt song was written by Ray Overholt, and at the time, Ray was a, not a hymn writer, as you might expect. He was a nightclub singer. He was a man who, by his own admission, drank too much and smoked too much, and a man whose life was out of control, and he knew that he needed to make a change in his life. His mother, on the other hand, was a a faithful believer in Christ, and Ray began to yearn for her faith, and so he began to search the Scriptures, and one day he came across this passage of Scripture in Matthew 26, verse 53, in which Jesus told Simon Peter that he could ask his father, and he would send 12 legions of angels. Well, Ray didn't know what a legion was, didn't know that 12 legions would have been more than 72,000 angels, but he thought that 10,000 was a good number. And so he wrote this song about 10,000 angels that could have rescued Jesus as he hung there on that cross. And he wrote this song that quickly became a favorite with many churches and many choirs across our land, even though he didn't even count himself as being a follower of Christ at the time. But later... Ray Overholt was invited to sing his song in a church one day, in a worship service. And during that service, he felt his heart gripped by the grace of God. And from that time on, Ray became a devout follower of Jesus Christ. Now, the tune probably would not have worked if he had tried to fit in 72,000 angels. But 10,000 angels was enough. 
The theology of his song might be a little unsophisticated, but the point of the song is right on. Jesus Christ cared enough to identify with you and with me. And that's why the cross is so important to our lives today. He could have called those 10,000 angels to save him from that cross. But he didn't because he knew that you and I needed him and the sacrifice that he made there. And here's the wonderful conclusion of that matter. He gave his life willingly so that you and I might have life abundant and eternal. Max Lucado uh, experienced something that probably most of us as parents have experienced or something similar in our lives. Um, The bank once sent Max Lucado an overdraft notice on his daughter's checking account. Uh, The overdraft was for $25.37, and he wondered what should he do with this overdraft? Should he just let the bank absorb it? Well, he knew that they wouldn't do that. Should he send his daughter an angry letter? Well, that wouldn't satisfy the bank either. Should he phone his daughter and tell her to make a deposit into the account? He says, might as well tell a fish to fly. Because <laughs> he knew that his daughter didn't have the money to deposit in the account. Other possibilities came into his head. Maybe, maybe he should transfer some money from his account into hers. Well, that seemed to be the best option. I mean, after all, he had the $25.37, and he could replenish her account and pay the overdraft fee. And besides, he thought to himself, that's his job. Then he went on to say, don't get any ideas. He said, if you're overdrawn, don't, don't call me, because my daughter can do something that you can't do. She can call me dad. And since she calls me dad, I did what dads do. I covered my daughter's mistake. Then Lucado says this. He says, long before you knew that you needed grace, your father in heaven did the same thing for you. He made the deposit. Even before you knew you needed a savior, you had one. And when you asked God for mercy, God answers and says, I've already given it to you, my dear child. I've already given it. And so he has. My friends, you and I are loved with an amazing love because Jesus Christ laid down his life so that you and I might have abundant and eternal life. And so on this day when we focus on the cross of Christ, his suffering and his death on our behalf, it's time for us to think about what really mean, what this really means for us. And here it is. You and I are loved with an amazing love. And in his suffering and death, Christ has identified with you and me. And finally, Jesus gave his life willingly so that you and I might have abundant and eternal life. That's what the cross of Jesus Christ is all about. 
It is about the love of God for a sinful people, us. And it is the epitome of God's grace. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response. Number 315, there's room at the cross. And there is room at the cross for you and for me, for all of us. Because at that cross, we find forgiveness of our sins. At that cross, we find, we find the love of God. And it is a tremendous love, a love that, that no one can, can really fully describe. It's a, it's a love that is willing to, to die for us. And that's amazing. You may need to make, make a commitment to that love of God in your life today. You know, God does love you. And it doesn't matter if you overdraw your account. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you, if you are a, a sinner. You know what? We all are. Every single one of us are. But I never saw God turn anybody away. That's how amazing God's love for us is. Maybe you need to make that commitment to Christ today. You may not feel worthy to. You're not. But God's grace makes you worthy. And so we invite you, if you've never made that commitment to Christ today, to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your friend and as your Lord. You may be looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to come and unite with our church. Or, or maybe it's just a time of prayer that you need today. We invite you to come and pray. Would you come as we sing together, 315, Room at the Cross.
And now all glory to the one who is God alone, who saves us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes, splendor and majesty and all power and authority are God's. And so may we go from this place in the grace and the mercy of our Savior, who loved us so much that he would die in our behalf. May we go encouraged in this to be the people of God and to be the change that we want for the world. For we pray this in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. that much there isn't a soul that he's unwilling to touch no life so dark he cannot light no sadness no sorrow he cannot stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I will come in unto him. Let's listen for his voice. Let's be living so that he may knock at our door. And let us open the door. And welcome to our homes and to our hearts, our Savior. He lived like us, acquainted with grief to those who
Who was this man of sorrows, acquainted with grief? Who is the King of glory, this Lord of hosts? He is our Master. He is our Savior. He is the Son of God. He is the author of our salvation. He beckons, follow me. He instructs, go and do thou likewise. He pleads, keep my commandments. Let us follow him. No. Oh. 